0: Hello, and welcome to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. This podcast is produced for care partners and caregivers of loved ones with Parkinson's disease. This show is brought to you by Dr. Kloss' new book, You're a Better Parkinson's Disease Caregiver Than You Think. Please visit pdcaring.com for more information. Welcome to the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Kloss. On today's episode, I would like to update you on some recent clinical trial research that was presented at the International Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorder Society meeting. This was a virtual meeting where research was presented in September of 2021 I would like to share some of the highlights of this meeting with you, and I'm going to share the research in the context of typical patient clinical scenarios to help us understand where some of these therapies may have a unique position in helping our loved ones with Parkinson's disease. A common question in the clinic is, what stage am I in with my Parkinson's disease Another question commonly asked is, what should I expect next? What do I have to look forward to in the near future? And how long will it take before I have certain problems that they bring up, such as, will I have dementia? Will I have difficulty walking? When do you think I will need to be in a walker? And many of these type of questions, which of course are very difficult to answer, because there's such individual variability in the progression of Parkinson's disease from one patient to another. We do have a staging system that was constructed by the uh, Brock family. We call this the Brock staging system. That's B-R-A-A-K. This is a six-stage system. And in stage one and two, the Parkinson's disease pathology is typically in the olfactory bulb, which is a location that can affect a patient's ability to smell. It is also located in the brainstem affecting dopamine production. In stage three and four, the Lewy body pathology has now moved into the frontal and temporal lobes, and sometimes into the occipital region of the brain, which is the visual center. And then finally, in stages five and six, the Lewy body pathology moves into the deep brain region called the basal ganglia, as well as into the cortex. And this is where we may see uh, pronounced cognitive impairment, executive dysfunction, and more difficulties with visual-spatial function. So again, this Brock staging process is highly variable from one patient to another. Some patients will not progress all the way through all of these stages during their life, while others may advance more aggressively from stage to stage over a shorter period of years. So the ultimate goal that we have in helping a patient with Parkinson's disease is to slow this progression or potentially even stop the progression. At this time, a therapy to slow the progression of Parkinson's disease is not available on the market. Fortunately, we have a number of therapies in clinical trials at various stages, which offer the hope that we may have one in the future. I would like to present first one therapeutic strategy, and that is to use vaccine therapy to send an antibody into the nervous system. This antibody would target the alpha-synuclein protein that makes up these Lewy body pathological hallmarks of Parkinson's disease, the vaccine would catch these alpha-synuclein aggregated proteins as they are spreading from one cell to another and therefore hopefully prevent additional brain cells from acquiring the pathology and eventually degenerating. A phase two clinical trial was recently completed. This trial was called the Pasadena trial. The sponsor was Roche Pharmaceutical, and their compound is called prazinesumab. This phase two study was looking for a variety of endpoints. The primary endpoint did not meet criteria during the trial, However, a number of secondary endpoints did show significant differences for the treatment group compared to the placebo group. In the first year of trial, patients were stratified to either a low-dose vaccine therapy or a high-dose vaccine therapy or to the placebo group. And then in the second year of the trial, all patients in the trial received vaccine therapy. This vaccine was delivered by IV therapy once a month, and in the UPDRS rating scale, a 35% difference was seen in the treatment groups compared to the placebo group, and this was highly significant. Based upon these results, uh, the FDA has allowed the next trial to open, which is called the Padova trial. This trial is a phase 2B randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, multi-center study that will again evaluate the efficacy and safety of this IV vaccine therapy for early Parkinson's disease patients. The trial has started and is currently recruiting patients internationally. Patients will again be randomized to either the vaccine treatment or placebo in the first year, and then all participants will receive the vaccine therapy in the second year. At the International Parkinson's Disease and Movement Disorder Society meeting, it was announced that the second company researching vaccine therapy for early Parkinson's disease patients from Biogen uh, failed to meet the endpoints and the clinical trial development was discontinued. The Aferis trial was reported at this meeting. This is a immunotherapeutic compound called PD-01A that was studied in patients with early Parkinson's disease. Instead of giving patients antibodies, this particular compound creates active immunization by providing an amino acid sequence of the alpha synuclein protein that results in natural antibody formation by the patient. In this study, 24 subjects were randomized to different doses of the primary immunization. The immunizations were received at weeks zero, which is the baseline, as well as week four, week eight, and week 12. They were then followed for 52 weeks. Booster injections were received and pathologic alpha-synuclein levels were studied. In this particular study, they found a 50% reduction in pathologic alpha-synuclein. The antibodies did seem to fade over the course of about a year, and so boosters were given to maintain these antibody levels. Further studies will be needed for efficacy and safety of this molecule. I would like to now shift attention to research that was presented in the Journal of Neurology looking at the association between diabetes and Parkinson's disease. This study that was published in 2018 looked at over 2 million people in this registry with diabetes type 2 compared to 4 million people with no diabetes. They found a 30% increased risk of developing Parkinson's disease in the type 2 diabetic patients. The risk was higher for the younger the onset of the type 2 diabetes. This then led researchers to look at another database called the THIN database of 15 million people. They selected out about 100,000 people with diabetes from this database and looked at the medications that were prescribed to treat the diabetes over the lifetime of their illness. They then looked at the risk of developing Parkinson's disease by the medication therapy employed for these diabetic patients. And interestingly, they found a drug class that targets GLP 1 that actually had about a half of incidence of Parkinson's disease cases compared to the other therapies used to treat the diabetes. So, this has led to the attention on the GLP-1 diabetic medications as potential therapies for early Parkinson's disease patients. The compound that was chosen is called Exenatide. That's E-X-E-N-A-T-I-D-E. This is a subcutaneous injectable medication given once weekly. A randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial was published for patients with early Parkinson's disease receiving this therapy versus placebo. In this trial, looking at the first 12 weeks of therapy, the placebo group continued to worsen as would be predicted by the progression of the disease. However, the treatment group receiving exenatide showed a symptomatic improvement over the first 12 weeks. Then the benefits experience remained stable over the 48-week study, and then during the washout of the medication over the following 12 weeks, the treatment group did not catch up to the placebo group. They actually remained better off at the end of the 60-week study compared to the placebo group. So this suggested a neuroprotective benefit, not just a symptomatic improvement. So now there is an ongoing phase 3 study. This is an international study looking at the GLP-1 exenotide. The study is called PRISM, and they continue to evaluate the efficacy and safety of this compound in slowing the progression of Parkinson's disease in early untreated patients. There are a number of other compounds in clinical trials targeting alpha-synuclein aggregation or mitochondrial dysfunction or neuroinflammation or finally lysosomal dysfunction. So there are many different pathways that may lead to The neurodegenerative process of Parkinson's disease, and there are a number of compounds in each of these categories currently in clinical trial to hopefully slow the progression of the disease. So we will stay tuned to these clinical trials and continue to update you as we learn more. Now many patients come into the clinic with more advanced Parkinson's disease symptoms. These motor symptoms include Dyskinesias or involuntary movements that are typically from peak doses of levodopa that are causing excessive movements. Or patients may experience motor fluctuations where they are moving from on to off stages throughout the day in cycles with the medications that they take, typically short-acting carbidopa-levodopa therapy. So there are a number of compounds in clinical trial to address these problems. For dyskinesias, there are a number of agonists or antagonists drugs at different receptors to try to calm these dyskinesia movements. There are ongoing studies looking at the m GLUR5 glutamate antagonist therapy, or MDA glutamate antagonist, or the dopamine D3 antagonist. There are a number of studies looking at compounds that may help treat dyskinesias. We do not have results of any of these studies at this time, but these clinical trials are ongoing. And then for motor fluctuations, one of the exciting areas of research to me is the infusion pumps. There are two companies that are researching carbidopa levodopa infusion pumps that are worn on the outside of the body. The medication is pumped through tubing to a small patch that is on the surface of the skin typically in the abdominal region but also could be in the flank or the legs or even potentially the arm. The medication is delivered via a cannula under the skin to the subcutaneous tissue. One company, Neuroderm, has a compound called ND0612. This is a levodopa carbidopa liquid that is infused continuously over 24 hours and is currently in phase 3 double blind randomized controlled trials the second company is AbbVie with their product called foslevodopa foscarbidopa which is abbv951 the both companies have very similar infusion pumps using this product over a 24-hour period. The hope is with this continuous delivery system, the on and off motor fluctuations will be reduced or potentially eliminated for patients. Another product in clinical trials is a product called DopaFuse. DopaFuse is a retainer that is worn in the mouth. This is a reusable custom-made dental retainer that contains a pre-filled single-use container that continuously drips carbidopa levodopa on the back of the tongue. Patients are unable to detect the dripping of this medication on the back of their tongue, and apparently there is no taste. This product is in early phase study to determine the efficacy and safety of this product. Additionally, longer acting levodopa dopamine formulations are also in clinical trial. Recently, the IPX203 carbidopa levodopa capsule with longer duration effects, a product made by uh, Impacts Pharmaceuticals, completed a trial and showed positive results. An ongoing extension study continues to provide more information about the long-term efficacy and safety of this product. Another long-acting levodopa preparation called the accordion pill unfortunately did not meet study endpoints and will be discontinued. A ropinerol patch is in clinical trials. And finally, there are a number of add-on or extensions to levodopa therapy in clinical trials, one called tabapaden. This is a D1-D5 agonist with hopes that it will have direct motor benefits for patients without some of the characteristic side effects that we see from stimulation of the D2 and D3 receptors. A COMT inhibitor, apicapone, continues to be in clinical trials, as well as cefinamide, which is a MAO B inhibitor. And finally, uh, cannabis continues to be in clinical trials as another add on therapy for the motor fluctuations of Parkinson's disease. So we remain very optimistic about the clinical trial pipeline for Parkinson's disease. We are seeing a great shift in the pharmaceutical production of compounds looking for disease-modifying benefits, but we continue to see new compounds and development for the motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease, as well as many of the non-motor symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Thank you for joining the Parkinson's Disease Caring Podcast. Please visit pdcaring.com for more information. And remember, you are a better Parkinson's disease caregiver than you think.